Uh, good morning, friends. As was mentioned, my name's Dave Bast. I'm a member here at Fifth. Uh, and if you think it was easy for me to sing those songs and do those, mo remember those? Mo you got another think coming. <laughs> so what's your excuse for not volunteering? <laughs> Next year, the call's going to go out, I'm telling you. Uh, you heard the five themes that we use during the week. Uh, one theme per day, introduced and reinforced in a variety of ways in different locations around the church. Really well thought through, well done. Uh, the five themes were, God loves you no matter what. Awesome God, yeah. Everyone can do that. That was our response. God loves you no matter what. God is in charge. God is with you everywhere. God is stronger than anything, even stronger than death. And God surprises us. Now, if you put those together and run them through what John likes to call the Bible decoder ring, what you come up with is the doctrine of providence. Uh, that, that's not a Bible word in itself, but it's a summary of the truths of Scripture about God's care for us and his care over us. Providence. He is able to handle everything that comes in our lives because he's almighty God and he wants what's best for us because he's our loving father. Those two things together equal providence. So we're gonna think a little bit more about that idea this morning uh, in line with our five themes from Bible uh, school. And to do that, we're going to listen to two passages about providence, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. So Betty Jo's gonna come and share the first one with us right now. There may be a few young ladies out there who remember learning this with me some years ago in GEMS. I hope you do. This is Psalm 121, the Lord is my keeper. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. The New Testament passage is from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' great discourse, uh, where he sort of lays out for his followers their agenda for life. And this is a passage from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Uh, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. So in our tradition, uh, we have this thing, this resource that we like called the Heidelberg Catechism. And you may not be familiar with it, that's okay. But for many of us, the first question and answer of the catechism is especially important. It's kind of precious to us. And in fact, often at the funeral of one of our church members, uh, you'll see that question and answer printed in the, in the program. And it goes like this, what is your only comfort in life and in death? In other words, what's your source of strength? What's the foundation that your life is built on? The answer, that I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. And he watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Think about that last sentence. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Now again, if you're familiar with the Bible, you may have heard some echoes in that sentence of a couple of famous passages from the Bible. One of them is Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The other one is from Matthew chapter 10. It's Jesus again. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Do not be afraid. That's one of the most often repeated commands of the Bible. Don't be afraid. 
Don't worry, don't be anxious. In fact, that's what Jesus is talking about in the passage, uh, the verses I read from Matthew 6. Don't stop worrying. <laughs> Let go of the anxiety that can so often uh, rob you of peace of mind. You know, it's kind of interesting. Jesus, this is a very cerebral passage. Jesus is appealing to us to think. think he lists a number of arguments about why we shouldn't worry. And you, you may be tempted to step back and say, what? If I'm caught in the midst of a crisis, I, I'm not able to think. I can't think through things this clearly. Arguments don't help me. And the Bible repeatedly invites us to get the arguments down before the crisis hits so that you can fall back on these truths uh, when you need them. So notice what Jesus says about worry. You don't have to worry. And he appeals, first of all, to the nature of life. Is not life more than clothes? Is not the body more than food and clothing? He's inviting us to think about what really matters in life. The things we tend to obsess over uh, and, and pursue more and more are, tend to be physical things, don't they? I mean, were you struck by what happened this last week when the lottery surpassed $1 billion? And all of a sudden, people I know, people who know better, are running out buying tickets like they're going to win. And if they did... You think a billion dollars would solve all your problems? Would make you happy? <laughs> your problems would just be starting. <laughs> but we, it's hard, hard to let go of that, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it's, boy, if I only had, maybe not a billion, maybe just 10 million or so. <laughs> is that what life is about, Jesus asks? Is that, yeah, there's somebody who's got, you know, got some growing up to do. <laughs> so first of all, the nature, the nature, what, what really matters in life? Secondly, the nature of God. Do you know God at all? Do you know that he's your heavenly father better than any earthly father? Do you know that he loves you no matter what? Do you know that he's in charge? Do you think Jesus' argument here is his favorite? It's, it's one of the favorites in all the Bible, the how much more argument. You know, if God takes care of the birds and the flowers, don't you think he's going to take care of you? How much more? Because you're more valuable and precious to him than even the created order that's so beautiful that he loves. And then Jesus says, Consider the nature of worry. Really. What is, what is this anxiety that we have? It's unworthy of Christians, Jesus suggests. That's what the Gentiles, and by that, he doesn't mean so much non-Jews. He means people who don't know God. You know what? People who don't know God, they're the ones who are consumed with acquiring the things, the trappings of life but that's not worthy of you. If you have better things to worry about. You know what? How about the kingdom of God 
and God's righteousness? How about spreading the love of God everywhere throughout the world? How about telling the world about God's sacrificial love in Christ? How about seeing that God's values of justice and truth and righteousness and fairness and goodness and purity, that those begin to permeate human society? That's what we ought to be worrying about. Furthermore, does worry do you any good at all, Jesus said. Can you, by worrying, add an inch to your height? Yeah, see, there, that's a very positive attitude. I like that, but it doesn't work, does it? <laughs> Those of us who know. In fact, we know that anxiety is actually counterproductive, isn't it? It actually undermines our well-being, our health. And finally, it's just not necessary. Leave tomorrow alone, Jesus said. You got enough on your plate for today because a dozen of the things you're worrying about in the future are probably not gonna happen at all. It's needless, needless anxiety. So don't worry. God's got you, God's got this. That's providence. But now I'm, I need to say a little bit more. Providence is true, and it's wonderful, but it's not a simple truth. It's a truth we need to think about, even wrestle with. We keep it simple for children, and that's right and good. But you're not children. In fact, even some of the children here aren't children. They're already thinking more deeply. Betty Jo, uh, this week, and I were both crew leaders. I had first and second graders. She had kindergartners. And in one of the sessions on day four, which is the day when we talk about Jesus and his death and his resurrection, all that he did for us, the children were told that Jesus died for their sins. And a kindergartner in the middle of the session turned to Betty Jo and said, why did Jesus die for my sins? That doesn't seem right. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, there's some deeper thinking that needs to be done there, isn't there? And the truths of providence the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will preserve your going out and your coming in. Your foot will not stumble. He is not slumbering or sleeping. He will keep Israel. Yeah, but <laughs> we do get struck down by illness. We do go out and stumble and break a bone or worse. It's not a simple truth, and yet, yet we know it's true. So it must be true from an eternal perspective on a deeper level, and we hold on to that truth, and we treasure it, and when the dark days come, and when the tough things happen, and when our faith is shaken, our faith is shaken, it's a truth that we need to hold on to by faith. 
And you can see why this has to be the way it is. Because if it were simply true and literally true, everyone would be a a believer, right? It's the ticket to the good life. You live a charmed existence. Nothing can ever touch you. No harm, no sadness, no uh, illness, no cancer, no fatal accidents. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, then it makes sense, perfect sense. Get on board. Here we go. But instead, though we believe this at the deepest level, we only hold it by faith, not by sight, because bad things do happen. So Jesus invites us to think more deeply about this truth. It's also, though, a truth that is amazingly comforting. What is your only comfort, you know? Where are you going to draw strength in the hard times? Because what it says is that you matter to God. And that means your life has meaning. And if there is no God, folks, sorry to break the news to you. If there is no God, your life has no meaning. And there is nothing. Nothing to rely on, nothing to fall back on, nothing to depend on. So take your comfort from this. You're not your own. You don't own your life or your body or any of your possessions. They're all his because you belong to your faithful savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, uh, just this. This is a truth you can trust. You can bet your life on it. My father was a pastor. And I still remember an incident he shared with us. I was probably in my early or mid-teens. He was pastoring a church here in Grand Rapids. And he came home one day and told us a story of uh, an amazing experience, a simple experience, but it, it moved him deeply. And it moved us when we heard about it. He had been to the hospital that afternoon to make a call on a member of the congregation who was dying of cancer. And he sat with this man for a while. They talked. Uh, They shared things with one another. My dad read some scripture. They prayed together. And then when it was time, my dad got up to leave the hospital room, and the man from his bed stretched out his arm and clenched his fist. And my dad looked back and said, is there something else? What are you doing? And the man said, I'm holding on to Romans 8.28. And so can we. So can we. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. You know that old question, why do bad things happen to good people? I love what the Christian philosopher Peter Kraft said in response to that. The short answer is, they don't. Because even the bad things will someday be turned to good by the amazing power of the God who is in charge and who loves you 
no matter what. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, your greatness awes us, your love amazes us, your grace washes over us and gives us hope no matter who we are or what we've done. Thank you. Continue to hold us, we pray, and bring us safely home one day in your name. Amen.